Hey, are you thriving? I hope you are. I hope you are. Wasn't that a great time of worship, just getting in God's presence? Whether you're online or in person, uh, it is all about Jesus. And we hope that you taste and see that the Lord is good because he moves us from surviving to thriving. Amen? And uh, we're in this series that is in the book of 1 Peter. And uh, today I'm looking at the idea of chosen. And what does it mean that Jesus is the chosen one, but he also has chosen us? And how does all that interact and lead us to a place of thriving? You know, it's also this month, some of you may know, it's, it's Pastor's Appreciation Month and, that month, and I don't say that for my sake, please do not respond. Uh, I say that because I have the privilege of serving with an incredible pastoral team and staff, and I am so thankful for them, and uh, we are just... It, it is awesome what God is doing with this team. I want to show you a picture, though, because sometimes uh, we, we can actually have a little too much fun, and there's awkward moments that happen on these Sunday mornings. So a few weeks ago, uh, this was during our 9 o'clock service, and <clears throat> behind me, 10 feet to be clear, behind me uh, was Pastor Randy, our worship leader, and uh, I'll tell you, I felt chosen in that moment. <laughs> So much so that look at our overreaction in the 11 o'clock. <laughs> we literally would not even come near each other. <laughs> and, uh, but we do. We have such a great team. Here's a picture of uh, 90% of our staff. And this was on our all-in day where we were actually supporting and, and being a part of Masters Academy's uh, dodgeball day, uh, which was a ton of fun. And that's the next picture. And uh, that's our team. And uh, yeah, so during dodgeball, I had a couple of flashbacks. I hadn't played that game in like 20 years, right, since I was a youth pastor. And uh, if you didn't notice, I'm, I'm not a youth pastor anymore. I'm in my 40s. And so as we're playing dodgeball, I'm remembering all those moments as a kid where you want to be chosen, right, where you have that moment where you hope they pick you, where you're chosen. And, and, and I had another moment, like, as we're playing, where it, it was kind of like a matrixy moment, where those of you that are old enough to remember, you think time slows down, and, and, and here was the difference. It wasn't a positive. Uh, I realized during that dodgeball game that, that now in my 40s, my reaction time, my brain knows what to do, but my body doesn't. And I did not do well that day. <laughs> it, was, it was a ton of fun. Uh, but maybe you have memories of being chosen or not being chosen. And, uh, you know, there's uh, a famous football player that's known as the GOAT these days. He's now in Florida, so we can talk about him, right? And uh, I, I bring him up because, yeah, some of you love Tom Brady. Um, I'm a Michigan guy. Guess what? He went to Michigan. And uh, he's now here in Florida. And one of the interesting things about his story is the fact that he was chosen in the sixth round, 199th overall. Uh, he actually, if you know his story at Michigan, uh, during his career battled often for playing time with somebody at that, in that era that was kind of the chosen golden boy, a guy named Drew Henson, that I think ended up playing in Florida in the NFL for a little while at Miami. And uh, so... So he, if you know his story, has often sought out to prove that he should have been chosen higher. And it's gone really well for him, right? I wonder if we're honest, if there's parts of our story 
that, that are playing out because we haven't felt chosen. And as a result, we're, we're doing things in a way to try to either protect ourselves or to try to prove something. I'll get into a little bit more of my story with that in a minute. But let's turn to 1 Peter 2 and get into our text for today. We're actually going to look at the first 12 verses of 1 Peter 2. And I'll just tell you, this, these are, this section is one of my favorite sections in, in the Bible. I just absolutely love these 12 verses and what they have to say. In 1 Peter 2, verse 1, it says, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men in the sight of God, chosen and precious. But you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen. Do you see the word here for the second time, the word chosen? And precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builder rejected the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are, here it is a third time, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Can you hear this today, church? A people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Behold, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify your God on the day of visitation." Y'all, that is a good word. That is good news to us in the middle of chaos. The word there, chosen, is used, in three, used three times. Eklektos is the word in the Greek. It means choice, choice man, chosen, chosen one, the elect. It has to do with this fact that, that Jesus was the chosen one and then chooses and has chosen us. It's incredibly redemptive and good news to hear who Jesus is and who he wants to be in our life. And as we look at this in the first three verses, maybe you noticed that it said to put away some things, to put away all malice and slander, to put away some of our old behaviors and bad choices. And if you've been around church for a while, you know that often we talk about wanting to grow in holiness or Christ-likeness. But one of the interesting things is if we focus on what to put away, we miss what God is putting in. You see, actually, part of what makes the choice easier is understanding God's goodness. In verse 3, it said this, <clears throat> If you indeed have tasted that the Lord is good, 
That means that if we're, gonna chew, if we're chewing on God's goodness, it'll lead to good choices. If you're taking notes, chewing on God's goodness leads to good choices. Maybe like me, you grew up and there was a moment where you realized the cereal that you had been eating your whole life. Fruit stones, fruit rings. Anybody? Anybody else grow up on the generic stuff? Not that it was bad, but man, when you got to that kid's house that had the real deal and you tasted the goodness of the real thing, right? There was a difference. Some of you, it's been interesting, right? We, we all know that to some degree, the Lord's chicken is Chick-fil-A, right? It's amazing. But, but here's the thing. How many restaurants have tried to replicate and duplicate that chicken sandwich in the last three to four years? When you've tasted the real thing, you know the difference. And when we chew on God's goodness, we know the difference between what the world is offering us, and it makes it easier to make the good choices. So let's chew on God's goodness for a minute in Psalm 34, 1 through 8. Listen to what it says about our God. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. What's been in your mouth lately? My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let's exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. And verse 8, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. You know, there is something God has for each of us. And when we chew on his goodness, when we spit out some of the bad things that maybe we've allowed into our life or maybe we're ingesting and chewing on, we'll begin to have God's presence showing up in ways that changes our thought life, our heart patterns, changes the way we live. Did you know that, that Jesus wants to show up in our everyday? That actually part of him choosing us is to say, hey, I've got more for you and I want to show up in your day to day. And when we chew on his goodness, it changes our day to day. The chaos is real. The mess in our world is real. But if we chew on that more than we chew on the goodness of God, you better believe we're going to be down and discouraged and divided even from one another. Can I get an amen, church? Now let's look at the centerpiece of God's goodness. Verse 4. It says, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Goes on to say that he's a cornerstone, chosen and precious. If you're taking notes, Jesus is the chosen cornerstone. Jesus is the chosen cornerstone. He is the fulfillment of the goodness of God. He is available to us, not just in a one-time moment, but ongoing. 
ongoing. Jesus is there. He's meant to be the cornerstone of our faith, the cornerstone of our life. What is your life built on? I don't know much about building, but I I do know that, that a cornerstone is where it all begins. And that that cornerstone holds together and actually sets in motion all of how the rest of the masonry and stones will be laid. That in fact, the the positioning of the cornerstone affects the entire structure. And if the cornerstone is off, guess what? The building will be off. When we moved into our house about a year ago, we uh, noticed that some tiles had got cracked by our movers. And so we went through all the process of the claim and all of the things that, that you do to see if you can, you know, get it repaired and fixed on somebody else's dime, right? Are you guys here? <laughs> I guess I'm the only cheap one. And, and so through the process, we actually found out from a builder that there was a bigger issue, that underneath our tiles, there was a foundation that wasn't exactly the way it needed to be, that there was a, just enough of a gap that while the issue may have been the movers and the weight, that the repair was a much larger issue and problem. You see, when we look to Jesus, he looks at us and says, listen, I'm the chosen one and I've chosen you and I want to be your cornerstone. I want to be the one that helps redirect and correct everything in your life. There's three things that that we see here in these verses about what he offers us. The first is rescue and relationship. This comes out of verse four. That he redeems us, he rescues us, and he invites us into relationship. Not just a relationship where he shows up one day, either in his return or when we get to heaven and, and, and vouches for us. No, he, he wants to show up in our daily. The Greek tense here in verse 4, as you come to him, is implying it's an ongoing that we come to Jesus and that relationship is there and available The second thing is he provides us with growth and gains. Anybody else want some growth in life? Part of moving from surviving to thriving is getting into that relationship with Jesus. Verse 2, it said you were like spiritual babes that you were on milk. Verse 5, a few verses later, the same author is saying, listen, you're living stones. I I don't know a lot, but I know there's a difference between milk and stones, okay? There's something there that's meant to show us that the Christian walk, the walk with Jesus is just that. It's a walk that leads to growth and gains. And I love that it talks about that we're living stones. Our God is alive and active, and when he's alive and active in our life, We aren't just a stone that shows up and sits in a church service, whether we're online or in person. Shows up in places. No, we're alive. We're living. God is living through us. That's the, the nature of what God builds in his church. And so for each of us, you know, part of learning to move from surviving to thriving is getting in to that relationship with Jesus. And saying, whatever it takes for me to grow, 
Whatever it looks like for me to grow in the next week, the next month, the next year, I want to be a part of that. Now, a lot of times we talk about growth and gains in January, right? You look at the scale and you think about what a different year might look like. I'm getting to y'all early this year. I'm coming in October because this is something that's bigger than a resolution at the turn of a year. This is a lifestyle that says, listen, you and I are meant to be these living stones connected to Jesus and one another. And that if we're alive and active and we're growing and experiencing that kind of growth, it will change our life and the life of everybody we come in contact with. Jesus' church is not, is not, I repeat, spiritually dead. Sometimes we're spiritually dead. Sometimes we're lazy because guess what? You can get that gym membership in January. But it doesn't mean it's going to do anything for you. Right? you got to show up and do the work. And so I'm so excited about what God's doing here. We had uh, over a third of our church, almost half of our adult in-person attendance in the last two weeks has been in some kind of discipleship ministry or group. Church, that is something to celebrate. That is something to say. God is moving, and there are growth and gains coming and happening. The third thing uh, there was beyond growth and gains was reward over rejection. It actually says that, that he'll honor us. There's honor for us. There's a reward that will come for those of us that are following Jesus. It also mentions that Jesus was rejected and that our world continues to reject him. I want to ask that question, are you believing or rejecting Jesus? It's interesting because that can be a one-time thing at the beginning of a faith walk, but it also can be an ongoing. Are we believing and walking by faith with Jesus or are we rejecting him? This past week in my personal devotional time, Jesus met me in my chaos and showed up. It's always typically with a good cup of coffee. And I'm reading in John chapter 6. And as I'm reading in John chapter 6, this idea of believing or rejecting was right in front of me. Let me read to you just six verses from it. Uh, in John six sixty-five. it says, And he said, this is after some teaching from Jesus to his disciples, He said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. So again, Jesus chooses us, and it's granted by him. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. They rejected. They didn't believe. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Now, what hit me was the fact that Jesus was being rejected but also 
had been rejected ultimately and continues often to be rejected when we don't believe. And as I'm reading that, I'm literally in tears on my patio at six something in the morning. And it's not because I'm thinking about this message a moment, it's because I'm thinking about the fact that so much of my life, I have needed God's healing because of rejection that I went through in childhood. And I realized that my God, my Savior, can relate and understand that he, in fact, has been rejected and is often being rejected, and even sometimes I reject him. Anybody? And I just sat there in tears realizing that Jesus' unconditional love and mercy was far bigger than the hurt and the pain and the woundedness that he may have felt in his flesh and that many of us often feel. There was a moment uh, when I was a teenager. I'm going to share this with you uh, so you know where some of it comes from. We're getting to know each other still, church, right? You love these stories, don't you? Like, he is a hot mess. It makes me feel so good. (laughs) Bless his heart, right? I'm learning some things in the South, y'all. So, so in my, it was towards the end of my sophomore year of high school, and uh, I, I had been kind of a, uh, a big deal uh, as an athlete in my school. It wasn't a big school, but uh, it had been kind of a big deal, which meant I had a very big head. And because I had been bullied as a younger kid, I tended to carry myself as a bully. And at the end of my sophomore year, there, there was an older female that my friend was dating that spent some time talking to me. Some other people saw it and assumed that I was trying to break them up and that it was something I was interested in. And the truth was I wasn't. But the lie, the chaos went fast. Now, I was the kind that was like, oh, the truth will come out. You know, my, friend, my best friend, he's not going to believe it. Well, man, was I wrong. Uh, Not only did he believe it, but he convinced the whole school of it. And suddenly kids that that didn't necessarily like me, but felt they had to because of who I was, turned on me. So much so that as this is unfolding and I'm being rejected by my entire school, I sat down at a lunchroom table with the marginalized kids, the kids that often didn't have anyone to talk to. And they all got up and left the table because they did not want to be seen seated with me. Whew. Y'all, if I told that story publicly a few years ago, I would have been in tears. See, what God started doing a few years ago was he started helping me to see that because I had experienced that kind of rejection, that there was parts of me still self-protecting There are parts of me that weren't willing to be real and vulnerable with people. That maybe God had chosen, but I didn't fully get it or believe it or want to experience it with others because of the pain. Anybody else had something happen to them in life? Our God is faithful and good. And what I've learned in the last few years is that hurts that are revealed... When we reveal them to God and others, he can begin healing. He can begin knitting us back together. He can begin saying, listen, 
What you went through is so your story can help and affect others for the positive. Some of you, it may not have been a high school situation. It may have been earlier in childhood. Or maybe it's been in adulthood. Maybe it's somebody that said they would be faithful and be with you till the end, and they rejected you and betrayed you. Our God understands rejection. And he is available to us. And he does some things for us. When we come into a relationship with Jesus, and we reveal our real hurts and what really needs healing, that's when we begin to move out of our chaos and begin to really experience what God has for us. Let me show you the next few verses in 1 Peter 2. In verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, so once we were excluded and we weren't chosen, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. It's actually a German theologian, an author, Gerard Lofink, that says this. He says, Jesus indeed demand of his disciples that they leave everything. So when Jesus chooses us, he calls us out to leave everything. But he did not call them into solitude and isolation. That is not the point of discipleship. He called them into a new family of brothers and sisters itself, a sign of the arriving kingdom. Church. Jesus calls us out of that place of pain and hurt and isolation, and he calls us into something more, a family of brothers and sisters who are finding real belonging. There's three things in those verses that I want to point out to you because I think they're an answer for many of us, but I think they're also an answer for the world around us. Did you catch that it's said in verse 12 that there will be a world that will glorify God because of what he's doing through us. We live in a world and in a culture right now in America that is very anti-God and definitely anti-Christian and anti-American church. Anybody? And what I see here is an invitation to something greater and bigger That actually if we live this and we plug into it and we realize who we are is his chosen, there is a world that will see it and say, that is what I've been missing. That is what I've been looking for. That is what I've been searching for. So the first thing there is that you find belonging. You see, it's saying you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people. We find belonging in the church when church really becomes the way it was meant to be. Not when it's a service that we attend and leave, but a community and a people that we're a part of. 
And I was curious because some of you know that Gallup a few years back uh, basically said that loneliness is an epidemic in America. We're so isolated and disconnected. Devices and social media that were meant to connect us really don't, if we're honest. So I, I wanted to see, well, what's, what are people saying today, post-pandemic, which isn't really over, but it kind of is. It's a whole other conversation. Sorry to bring it up. So here's the current statistics. Loneliness was polled about a year ago. 25% of adults pre-pandemic were saying they felt lonely and isolated. That number is now 36%. It's gone up 11% in the last year. But you know what's interesting? That number is 61% among youth and young adults. There's an entire generation that is feeling completely isolated and alone. In the church of Jesus Christ, the community of people, we offer belonging in a way nothing else can. Because at the foot of the cross, is the most level ground. Whether you have a little or have a lot, where you've done a little or done a lot, all of us come to the foot of the cross and we find Jesus there welcoming us into a new family. That is belonging that we cannot find anywhere else. Amen? The second aspect, in addition to belonging, well, let me read this verse to you, 1 Corinthians 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews are great, Greeks, slave or free. All were made to drink of one spirit. That is a belonging that we will not find anywhere else. One of the things that's so refreshing right now is the word family that is emerging and growing here at Pathway. The word family, that we feel like we're finding family and love and acceptance together. And I hope that you're tasting and experiencing it. It's available and it's there for us. Secondly, is identity in place of identity theft. We live in a world, it says there, that there's a enemy of our soul there's actually an enemy that is waging war on your identity and mine. Jesus did not deny this. Jesus, in fact, articulated it brilliantly in John 10.10. 10. He said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and life abundantly. There is an enemy that is trying to rob us of our identity. And Jesus shows up as the cornerstone he says, I have a new identity for you. I have abundant life for you. I have more for you. I have a plan for your life. I have a purpose for you. That's the invitation is to find belonging and identity. And then lastly, we're invited into purpose. Purpose instead of drifting aimlessly. We're in the middle right now of what sociologists are calling the great resignation. Many of us know there's an employment problem in our country. Oftentimes people are trying to figure out not just what job they want, but what it should look like. And I just wonder if Jesus's church was living on mission and we were living on purpose, if it wouldn't look a little different. 
that we would realize that work is actually a gift from God. That actually work is something God has designed us for. And that when I do my work onto the Lord, it's an act of worship. Your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday matters. And if you're living on purpose and allowing God to be at the center of it, it changes everything. There is a purpose available to us through Jesus. And Ephesians 2.10 says it this way. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. You are a masterpiece. His workmanship when you come to Jesus created for good works which God prepared beforehand. Isn't that good news? That he chose you to do some works that he's already prepared in advance, so the pressure's off. All you have to do is say yes and follow him. We walk into them. And so what is going to happen as you and I say yes, as we hear him choosing us? I believe we're going to find real belonging. We're going to find our true identity And we're going to live on purpose in this world and we're going to change not just a church, but a community. God is going to move in powerful ways because he has called and chosen you and has more for you. And so you need to know the heart is that we would be a people that are saying yes to Jesus. So three next step questions for you today as you wrestle with this. The first is, will you chew on God's goodness and spit out the bad? Some of you know exactly what that means right now, right? You know exactly the stuff you've been chewing on, metaphorically, that isn't the stuff God has for you. Maybe you've held gossip in your mouth too long. Maybe you've held national news in your mouth too long. Maybe you've ingested things that are affecting your mind and heart and God's saying, spit it out and chew on me and my goodness and I will change your life and the life of those around you. Our God wants to show up with his goodness. Secondly, will you choose Jesus for your growth plan? Will you actually Go to Jesus and say, Jesus, what what do you want me to grow in? What does it look like for me to be yours? What goals do you have for my life? Do you know he cares about your growth? And he has a plan. And then third, will you choose Jesus as as your guide? And this is so important, and this may be the one that we need to wrestle with the most. The world is screaming at you and I every day to show us what it believes belonging looks like, what it believes identity looks like, and what it believes our purpose is. Jesus is completely countercultural to that. And I just want to invite us to be a people that says we're not going to get swept up in the world and it's chaos. We're going to make space to say Jesus Who have you created me to belong with? What is my identity? What is the purpose that you've created me for? And how do you want that to show up in my daily life? Y'all, Jesus is so good. 
And I can tell you that part of who I am today is because five years ago, when I started wrestling with my own woundedness, my own sense of rejection and betrayal, my God showed up and started healing, started renewing, inviting me to trust him and to love others. And that's available to all of us today. I want to pray over us, and then we're going to get to respond through worship, through the altars being open. I want to invite you to hear his voice saying, I've chosen you for more. I've chosen you for more. Father, we love you and praise you. We thank you that Jesus, you are the chosen one and the cornerstone of our faith. We thank you that you choose us and invite us to a life that is so much more than we're often living for. I pray in this space right now that your name, your voice would be heard. That your invitation to receive and follow you would be something that we would not just hear, but we would say yes to. Father, help us as a church home, online and in person, to be a place where real belonging, real identity, and real purpose is found. Because Jesus, you have that for us. And I pray that as we walk as your masterpiece in workmanship, that we would do the good works that you've prepared in advance. Father, we love you. And right now, may you hear our voices rising to worship you, the chosen one. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand if you're able. Let's worship him. The altars are open. Let God into this space with you.
Uh, could I have the other uh, board members and uh, Pastor Brian go ahead and join me up here on stage? You know, it's not often uh, that as board. Uh, first off, I'm Eric Smith, and uh, it's uh, my pleasure to uh, serve as your board chairman here at Pathway. It's not often that we get to stand up here and uh, link arms together. Uh, but did you know that we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of the Bennetts moving here to Vero Beach, Florida? And when we talk about being chosen, when we talk about uh, living on purpose, living on point, uh, aren't you thankful for the way Pastor Brian has walked into that with his family here at Pathway? <laughs> truly, truly amazing. And, and not a lot of people know this, but Pastor Brian, the lead pastor position here, is one of the board members, serves on the board. And so for this past year, uh, Bob Flaming's out of town today, but we've literally been linking arm in arm and we've been working hard over this past year. And uh, at some points, it feels like it's gone like that. And I think at other points, it's like, whoa, we're plowing and the plow feels pretty heavy. Uh, but all that to say, we might have worked him a little bit too hard uh, because uh, Pastor Brian, he needs a total knee replacement. And so he's going to get a total knee replacement. Uh, he's going in for surgery on Wednesday of this week. Um, and so we, as a board, uh, we stand with him. Uh, we're in affirmation with him. I think you've tried to cancel it probably at least 11 or 12 different times now, where he keeps coming back and he keeps saying, no, no, the timing's not right. No, I got too much going on, or this, that, or the other. If you've not spent much time around this guy, he, he doesn't like to walk. Um, he doesn't even like to run. He likes to sprint in everything that he does. And so I can tell you, with, with the pace that, uh, that he keeps, uh, Sunday morning, this is just a sliver, but this is probably the easiest part of his week. Uh, when he's done with this, uh, Monday through Saturday, he is hitting the pavement, and he is all over the place. Uh, just a phenomenal leader. And so, uh, and so with that said, we want him to be healthy. We want him to be at his best so that he can really serve on point the way that God's called him to. Amen? Amen. Awesome. And so in just a moment, we're just going we're just going to pray. Um, he's going to be out for a couple Sundays, so don't worry. Uh, we've got an all-star lineup that's going to be up here that's going to be uh, challenging us uh, each week. Uh, so with that, um, I also want to let you guys know November 14th is our annual family meeting. Um, right back here, you'll see some stuff coming out and some information, but it's just a great time where we can gather as a family uh, in, on Sunday afternoon and really do a, a reflection and look back over the past year and all that God's done. And so don't forget to mark that on your calendars, okay? Hey, he said it earlier, uh, October is Pastor Appreciation Month, just not uh, Pastor Brian, but all of our pastors here, um, and I can attest for them as well, they keep busy during the week, and they hit the pavement as well. And so if you get an opportunity to drop them a line, maybe drop them some chocolate chip cookies I've heard they like, uh, you know what, don't, don't, hey, don't hesitate. Drop, drop it off, drop it in. Uh, they, would, they would love to just uh, receive that encouragement, okay? 
Hey, let's go ahead and pray right now, and I'll dismiss this. Father, we thank you for uh, just the work, uh, not just that you're doing here at Pathway, but uh, the way that you've just uh, called Pastor Brian uh, to lead. Uh, We thank you for just his shepherding heart. And Father, as he's going to get sidelined just a little bit here, um, I know it's going to be difficult for him, but we just pray for a speedy recovery. Uh, We pray uh, just for uh, an infection-free recovery. Uh, Father, we know that uh, you've you've been purposing our staff to step up um, as he's on the sidelines a little bit here, and so we just pray over them as well. And uh, we just thank you, Father, for just the calling that you've placed not only on him, but each life here that's represented today. And so, Father, this week, may we just go out and may we walk in that calling and uh, may we just walk with that purpose as we walk uh, uh, side by side with you, Father. And so right now, may we just go and be the church. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. All right, family, have a great week.